Praise the Lord. Just uh, run through a few scriptures uh, tonight. Uh, just a few scriptures here. I just want to talk about the title on the talk is called Finding Forgiveness. And um, when it comes to forgiveness or being forgiven for whatever reason, we as humans actually can be we can be quite unforgiving as a human. Um, you know, if somebody's done the wrong thing by you, um, you know, really hurt you or done something that uh, really offended you, um, people find it very hard to forgive. Um, we can be very unforgiving. Uh, it's a it's a it's um it's a common human trait, of course. But when um, but we can be very lenient when it comes to forgiving ourselves for our own misleadings. And another human trait, we can forgive ourselves very quickly and easily for our own issues and problems that we may have. We can we we can tend to do that as humans, but but we also find in Scripture that God can be very forgiving, and he can be very unforgiving at the very same time. Um, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures just about this kind of uh, 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 stuff today. But we do find that forgiveness, nine times out of ten in the Bible, forgiveness um, uh, from God is usually left up for, for your forgiveness. If you want looking for forgiveness, it's usually left up to the individual that's facing the Lord or looking for forgiveness. It's usually goes down right to the individual level to to obtain forgiveness um, or give forgiveness or whatever it needs to be done, it usually ends up down at the people level. And, um, you know, uh, except for the initial, when you get baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit comes in and cleanses you, or God casts your sin, your iniquities, he throws them in the sea of his forgetfulness. Is that a scripture? I know we sing it in a song. I think it's a scripture. Is it a scripture or a song? I think it's a Anyway, whatever it is, but he forgets it. God gets it and he forgets it. And one of the key things to forgiveness, if you are forgiving someone, is to forget about it too and never ever bring it up again kind of thing. Because God, I mean, obviously we would want God bringing up our sins. He fills you with the Holy Spirit and, you know, you're walking on in the Lord and then the Lord 10 years later reminds you of what everything you've done wrong. I don't think that would be the way it would work. You certainly want to hear, wouldn't want to hear that from God, neither does anybody else. If... You're actually forgiving people and uh, and passing that on. We're going to look at the words of Jesus, Matthew six, Matthew chapter six and verse twelve. And Jesus tells us how it works, all in red. A whole bunch of chapters in red here. Chapter six, verse twelve. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. This is part of the Lord's prayer. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And then Jesus goes on to say, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So it's pretty self explanatory. I think, you know, you've got to find it in your heart to forgive, no matter sort of whatever the damage may be. Somewhere along the way, you've got to find it in your heart to be able to do that. To, to find ultimate forgiveness also from your heavenly Father. And, um, you know, sometimes we can default after we've received the Spirit and we look for re-forgiveness, really just a humility and repentance before God can bring that about and to uh, clean the slate. You know, it talks about the, the Lord's mercies in you every morning. We can talk about the grace of God and we talk about lots of these things for getting ourselves back on track. Um, but we see these things here you know, we've, we need to forgive to be forgiven. And really that's the bottom line of it at the end of the day. In Matthew, Mark 11, um, on the same veins, and Mark puts it in another gospel a different way, 
verse 25, he says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, so uh, uh, you know, Mark's gospel said the same thing, but just in a slightly different way. You know, if you want your prayers to be answered, having unforgiveness in your heart is a really good way to block them and uh, and to slow the process down um, at that level. And, uh, of course, this is just, these were Jesus' words and his way of going about things. And, uh, you know, and, of course, he forgave us all at the end of the day. You know, he went on to the cross so that we actually could be forgiven. He gave his life for us. In the New Testament, it tells us in Colossians, Colossians in the letters to the churches, Colossians 3, verse 13, just one little verse here says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So they obviously were listening to the words of Jesus and uh, whoever penned Colossians here was saying, you know, we've got to forbear one another, we've got to forgive one another because we sooner or later someone's going to, you know, upset you probably. That usually happens and sadly there's empty seats here today because someone got upset and couldn't find a way to forgive or be forgiven or whatever the reason, they're not here anymore. And, um, you know, the longer you're in the Lord, the easier it is to get caught up into this little process. But very important that we, we do find forgiveness for people. Um, generally, if you lock someone up away in the unforgiveness box of your mind and you go, I'm never going to forgive them for that, and um, you lock that away, that'll be like a cancer that will just work away at your walk in the Lord. It'll just work away at you and it will it can kill you. You know, you've got to get rid of that sort of stuff. It's like it's a cancerous thing and it, uh, when you can't forgive and you just hold all that stuff in your heart and, um, and it will kill you at the end of the day. Very, very bad for you. Anyway, Psalm 130. So if you have to mark it, this is an interesting scripture here that David here, I'm guessing this is David to pen this. It could be wrong. I'll find out in a minute. The Psalm of Degrees yet. Um, <clears throat> this is David here. And uh, like, oh, he made some errors. He really needed forgiveness, this bloke. Committed murder and adultery and uh, all sorts of other issues. He had, he had issues on issues. But he was thinking, obviously, one day and just thinking about the Lord and about what the Lord did. And, um, you know, if God was to mark up our iniquities and our sins, you know, chalk them up on a board and, um, you know, you know, would there be forgiveness or the lack of it? You know, the problem wouldn't be for God. There'd be no problem for God. The problem's for us. If God was chalking up our sins and our iniquities on some blackboard somewhere, then then don't worry God, but it certainly would be a worry for us because um, we'd be in the wrong state of mind. But Psalm 130 um the psalmist here is thinking about it in verse 1. He says, The song of degrees, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. So he was obviously a down, <laughs> down in the depths this day in, in, in all sorts of issues. Lord, hear my voice, that thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark my iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. So here we, the psalmist was thinking, you know, if the Lord's marking up my iniquities, who's going to survive? None of us would, would we? None of us. If the Lord's marking up our sins against us, you know, who's going to stand? You know, David's saying, question mark. There's a question. Who's going to stand? 
and probably the question is nobody. And uh, you're just not going to make it. But there is forgiveness with God. And that's what David's seeing. This is what he's learned along the way. So not much has changed, has it, in whatever, what year are we here? Oh, yeah, 700 BC. So 2,700 years ago, it hasn't changed much. And, um, you know, there is forgiveness with the Lord. Um, and, and uh, you know, we need God, the, God there in the equation. I wait for the Lord, in verse 5, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. So uh, you know, David was very attentive to uh, God, looking for God, waiting for God, watching for God to, to, to find it in his own heart to finally feel that freedom of forgiveness, I guess, that God's forgiven him of all his iniquities and taken away the pain of that that he had, you know, um, I think it's somewhere in Psalms, right at the end, I can't remember now, Peter Moore gave a great talk about it once, but he mentions Bathsheba's wife, husband. Who's that? Uzziah? Uzziah? Uriah, thank you, Uriah. And, um, of course, um, David desired his wife and he sent him into battle, premeditated murder, killed him so he could marry his wife. That was the whole idea of it. And... Um, but he names him right at the end of his, one of his generals. He puts Uriah in there, one of his generals. That's a man with regrets, right? He's naming Uriah as a general in his army and um, because he realised that the, the thing he had done, you know, he had these, he had, he had lots of regrets and, uh, you know, he, and uh, you know, these things, well, I guess, probably haunted him till the day he died, but he found a way around these things. He found a way that he could go to God and find forgiveness. He could find a way that there was forgiveness with God. And uh, he was watching for it. He was keeping an eye out for it. He wanted that freedom in his heart, you know, and um, sometimes we can we can get that freedom in our heart if we do have unforgiveness in there because we need to let go and, uh, and uh, we need to forgive and let go and forget and move forward. It's the best way to get that cancer out of you. Um, verse 7 of 130. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So, you know, David knew there was lots of mercy with God. God was a very forgiving God, and and plenty of redemption, plenteous redemption, lots of redemption with the Lord. And um, yeah, David was counting on it, you know, and he's mentioned in Hebrews 11 in the faith chapter as a man with great faith. For all of his mistakes, a man with great faith, because he sought for forgiveness, he learned how to forgive, and he learned how to approach the Lord with a humble heart in forgiveness. So all good traits that David had that got him over the line at the end of the day, I believe. All right, Acts 13 and uh, verse 37. And through Christ, through his actions and love, there's a path to uh, plenteous of redemption, plenty of it, redemption and mercy. Acts 13, verse 37. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, we're talking about Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe, that have faith in, commit their ways and have trust in uh, the Lord Jesus, are justified from all things, uh, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. 
So it was very difficult in the Old Testament, even though uh, David found ways around that. But really, it was just he was living in the Old Testament, but he was really applying New Testament principles in his walk with God at the personal level. Uh, as you read the Psalms, you can see what was going on here and uh, how he was approaching God in a humble way and, and in faithfulness to the Lord. Verse 40, uh, Beware therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of the prophets. Uh, behold, you despisers and wonders and perish, for a work, 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 work in your days, a work which you shall in no more wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And um, the great work, of course, is the New Testament age, the age of grace, the age of uh, having your sins forgiven. Uh, by Christ's sacrifice and to have those things completely taken away and those iniquities. That's why we should never drag them back up and, and, and have those feelings for someone else, have unforgiveness in our heart for someone else. When God's taken it away from you, we've got to do the same. We just have to do the same. It's just the way that, that it works. You know, um, that word justified, Pastor Headley used to always say, well, we break down that word and it was justified or just as if I'd never sinned. And that's, the place in our heart where we've got to be. As the Bible talks about, a heart will condemn us on the day of the Lord or, or free us on the day of the Lord. One way or the other, it'll be our heart that keeps us on the ground at the Lord's return. If there's all this baggage in there, it's got to be free. It's got to have, you've got to get rid of the stuff. The baggage has got to go so that you can just rise to meet the Lord on the day. And, um, but, you know, the Bible talks about our heart condemning us and we certainly don't want to be in that position at the Lord's return. Um, in Acts 26, oh, we'll read it. Acts 26, verse 14. We're in Acts. Might as well go there. Paul is uh, recounting his testimony to King Agrippa. He's talking about what happened to him. And uh, we're just going to take it up in verse 14, where they were sort of blinded by the light and they, they fell down and Jesus spoke. It says, verse 14, it says, And when we're all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Uh, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom I now send thee. So the Lord had a mission for Paul, but, yet, but Paul was, um, or Saul here, he was standing there at the execution of Stephen. They stoned him to death. He uh, put many of the church in prison, uh, responsible for their deaths as well. So, um, you know, he really needed forgiveness. Poor old Saul, you know, he says, I'm the least of the prophets, you know, for the things that I've done in my past. But he knew that he had been forgiven. He knew that God had taken all that and cleaned his slate for him. And... Um, so here he was, you know, getting the message. And uh, here, and, but he, he's just referring this to King Agrippa. He said, To open their eyes, in verse 18, and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And, of course, we can read the rest of the New Testament. And that's exactly, exactly what Paul did. He, uh, the Gentiles were coming to the Lord. Everyone was coming to the Lord and receiving the Holy Spirit and uh, getting baptized the Bible way. Things were happening. The first church got up and running and off the ground, that they may receive, for this is the reason, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I'm talking about Jesus. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. 
And um, you're sitting here in the chair because you aren't disobedient to the heavenly vision you've had, that you've this same experience has happened to you. Uh, you know, the Lord has come in and uh, forgiven us of our sins, sanctified us, and we're moving on and walking with the Lord. Same experience, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Um, Acts 5, and some guys, uh, this is a little example here, some people really aren't in a hurry to be forgiven. People aren't interested, or they don't want to listen, or they perhaps they think they know it already. Dad used to say, if you've got a minute, I'll tell you how to live forever, and they go, I don't have time. Yeah, think about that one. Anyway, Acts 5, verse 29. Uh, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey uh, God rather than men. So um, these guys here, were um, uh, they were getting upbraided here by the, by the religious leaders of the day, didn't like what they were up to. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree, so that didn't go down well with them. Him, Jesus, they're talking about, hath God exalted with his right hand uh, to be a prince and a saviour for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So uh, through Jesus here, they're saying you're given the opportunity to repent and to go on and get forgiveness. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So they really didn't get the message very well. They were more offended about what they had to say. And so they were very unforgiving to Peter and the uh, guys here, Peter and the other apostles. Um, but they didn't want to hear. They weren't interested in the forgiveness plan of God. Uh, they were just, um, well, they were probably too pious and too proud to accept any words they had to say here. But they were just telling the truth. We ought to obey God and um, and Jesus has paved the way for forgiveness. And, um, and um, they didn't really consider that. They just um, preferred to be unforgiven, I'm guessing, these guys, they just didn't go very well for them. Forgiving someone, would you be able to forgive someone who murdered someone very close to you? Is a, is a thought that I had. Uh, perhaps someone you really loved was murdered by someone, perhaps a murderer or whatever, um, or someone maybe really wronged you in a bad way. You know, if the Lord can forgive them, then I'm guessing we should be able to do the same, but that wouldn't be easy, would it? If somebody did something horrible to someone very close to you, it'd be very hard to find that forgiveness in your own heart. Um, but that's exactly what we expect Jesus to do when we approach him at, at, at the throne of grace to forgive us and to, uh, as we're doing it. You know, like I said, uh, we can lock people away in that unforgivable box in our mind and go, they're never going to get my forgiveness. But that's, that doesn't win, that doesn't serve any purpose. It certainly doesn't serve any purpose for the person locking it away. You need to sort of unlock it and deal with it and get it out and, and, and find a way to forgive like Jesus would forgive. Think about what Jesus would do for that person and, um, and how he would go about it. And um, you just got to do it. You just got to get rid of it and get it out and, be, and move on with life. Um, all that grace and mercy God's showing us you know, you know, we need to show the same and, and to others. He's granted us forgiveness and we need to grant forgiveness as well. I want to go to Mark 3. I'm going to finish in a moment, but I just want to go to Mark 3 and talk about an unforgiv- there is an unforgivable sin. And the Bible talks about it and it's not what you think. It's not murder. It's not adultery. It's not the worst possible thing you could possibly think of. It's actually something 
very simple that most people actually don't even consider that that um, this sin is a very is is well almost unforgivable. Well, it's unforgivable if you're found in this state at the Lord's return. That's for certain. But it's in Mark chapter three and verse twenty-eight. It says, "Very I say unto you, all sins shall be given unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme." So everything's on the table to be forgiven, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal eternal damnation. And um, you know, some people think very light of that verse, verse twenty-nine, and blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is really. It's, it's meanings to vilify the Holy Ghost. It means to make a statement against, to slander or defame the Holy Ghost experience. So, you know, if you were to, well, I guess just speaking against it, that's it. It's as simple as that. If you were to say to someone, oh, you don't need to, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You just need to love God. You'll go to heaven if you love God. Just live a good life. That's that's basic churchianity. Live a good life. You'll go to heaven. There's no talk of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when you somebody does receive the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues, people will say, oh, you don't need to speak in tongues. you know. Or if you haven't spoken in tongues, they'll talk you out of it, which is, that's this scripture. It's, it's an unforgivable. It's unforgivable because you're never going to make it. Without the Holy Ghost, there's no forgiveness anyway. So that's why you can't be forgiven because there's no way out. You're completely stuck in a hole without the Holy Spirit. You'll never get out of it. And that is is probably one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, and um, but a lot of people just glaze over it. You know, you never, you don't speak against the Holy Ghost; you speak for it. You know, some people might think they are speaking for it when they're speaking against it at the same time. You know, you can have discussions with people. I've had discussions with other pastors in other churches, and they literally use every scripture about speaking in tongues in the Bible to tell you you don't need to speak in tongues. And and you think. Well, why is it even in the Bible? Just so you can have an argument against it? Why put it in there? Then you wouldn't have an argument against it in the first place if the word wasn't even there. But, you know, the, these are all the silly scenarios we come up with, of course. But this is the one you don't do. Because once you block someone from getting the Holy Ghost, you've literally blocked forgiveness of sins for them. Uh, and you're not in a good place if when you go down that road. Somewhere you don't ever want to be, I can tell you, and um, don't go there. But uh, sadly, it does happen from time to time. Sometimes people leave us and they go, oh, you, you don't need to speak in tongues you know, to be saved. But I don't believe that that's the, the sign when someone's got the Holy Ghost. I'll say, I can have the Holy Ghost other ways. Well, the Holy Ghost was other ways in the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost was upon people. You know, It entered Samson, the Bible says. He didn't speak in tongues. Of course he didn't wasn't there but we know that in the new testament that's what that was the sign and um jesus said it in mark 16 i don't know how anyone even gets around it where believers would speak in new tongues it's just there in red sitting there for all the world to see and yet they'll just go against the words of jesus oh you don't need that but why did jesus say it so anyway when you put all the scriptures together i'm talking to the converted of course but blasphemy against the holy ghost is a very very dangerous place to be. It means to speak or write something in a despairing way to lower its value and its true worth. So as soon as you're lowering or blaspheming the Holy Ghost and taking away its true worth, you're in a very, very dangerous place with God. Let's finish in Colossians. I don't know why I needed to tell you that, but maybe you needed to hear it. 
Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. So at the end of the day, we can just be happy that there is forgiveness one way or the other. We can forgive to be forgiven. Uh, God forgives us and we just reply the favor. When it comes to our brothers and sisters, we just repl- um, we just pass on uh, you know that privilege that we've been forgiven. Colossians 1, just to finish in, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into his kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have been delivered and forgiven. We're in his kingdom already. We may not see the physical one, but we're in the spiritual one. We've got the ticket. We've got the Holy Ghost. We're almost, we're there. We're in that realm of the spirit. Um, you know, and, um, and the real one's about to come. And it's probably not far away. We're going to see a physical one before us, uh, in the not too distant future. If the world keeps going on its trajectory, it is on now. You know, we could be the return of the Lord anytime. And we see these things coming, but, um, we're part of this kingdom and the soon return of Christ. And we're forgiven. And it's forgiven people and people that are forgiving. Then arise to meet the Lord in the air. We don't want to have a heart to condemn us on the day of Christ's return. If you've got unforgiveness, get it out of your heart and move forward. And um, it's the best place to be. Amen. Amen.